0: Um, I'll be reading Mark 12:28 through 34. One of the scribes came near and heard them disputing the one, um, with one another and seeing that he answered them well, he asked him, "Which commandment is the first of all?" Jesus answered, "The first is, hear, O Israel, the Lord of God, the Lord is one, you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul. And with all your mind and with all your strength. The second is this you shall love your neighbor as yourself. There is no other commandment greater than these. Then the scribe said to him, You are right, teacher. You have truly said that he is one, and besides him there is no other. And to love him with all the heart, and with all the understanding, and with all the strength, and to love one's neighbor as oneself. This is much more important than all whole burnt offerings and sacrifices. When Jesus saw that he answered wisely, he said to him, You are not far from the kingdom of God. After that, no one dared to ask him any question. This is the word of the Lord.
1: You may have noticed the big green army tent. Actually, now it's green and pink and blue, uh, the army tent that's out on the parking lot. Uh, maybe as you drove up or maybe you noticed it um, this past week. Mike McCreary and Patty Taylor uh, arranged for us to borrow it from the National Guard. I don't know if the National Guard knows it, but... Um, but they have not missed it yet. You're right. And I was glad to see it was still there after last night. Uh, I'm not sure who was living in it um, <laughs> overnight or what was. Never mind. Um, but it was uh, something that they were able to get so that we could use it for our uh, Maggie Lee for Good Day uh, sock stock. And so we had. Uh, that on Thursday uh, from 5 to 7, and it was great to be able to uh, do the event under there and to collect. I think we collected uh, almost 3,000 pairs of socks uh, that will go to people who need them. So that, that was um, exciting. But if you, if you saw it and you went inside, you noticed that it is no ordinary tent. Um, Last year we had like a circus tent that was out there that the city brought for some other event. I think we just uh, imposed and used it. But uh, this one is uh, really a nice tent. Its poles, its pegs, the material and uh, the design were developed by the army to endure rapid mobilization. I never thought I'd use those two words in a sermon. Rapid mobilization, extremes of weather. Uh, all the terrible conditions that, uh, if you think about being in Iraq or Afghanistan, and the dust and the sand that blows, and uh, just all of the harsh weather, it's, it's made to be able to withstand that as much as possible. Uh, to withstand battle and the wear and tear from well-meaning volunteers like myself. And this last one was tested on Thursday with me. Uh, uh, with the help of Mike and Patty and some other professional soldiers, uh, as we all gathered um, with a few other volunteers to to put up the tent. Mike commented on how putting up a tent is a great exercise in leadership, and that's when I knew that we were all going to be in trouble. Uh, Mike could put one of these up in his sleep and um, was out there, I think, just kind of watching to see how we would do with it. But it could only be put up properly when people were working together. And he talked about that. And he said that uh, it's great to be able to just give this assignment out and do nothing. Just let you know, tell them, and you can do that in the military, right? You just tell them what to do and they have to do it. To put this tent up and to see out of that, uh, I'm sure it would be comical to watch, but to see who the leader was or leaders were, as they took charge and began to, uh, to put that up. But giving a group of soldiers the task of, of doing this without any instruction would definitely require someone doing that. And defining the end goal or what mattered the most. Maybe having a picture of what it's supposed to look like when it's done so that you knew what to build toward. And then determining what the next steps are um, to make it all come together. At any given time in the process, we all needed to hear what mattered most. Uh, even with people as coordinated as myself, uh, we needed help in being able to do all of this together. And what was most important was this overall stability of the tent, which, Mike, now I wonder about as I uh, see it out the window uh, beginning to uh, crater from the storms. But whatever else we might have done, would have, we could have looked really busy out there putting up the tent. I'm sure people driving by would have thought, Wow, those people are really industrious putting up the tent. But it may not have been very effective if we were not doing what mattered the most in putting it up. And that was working together. You can't just put one side up and uh, not do the other side. You've got to be able to work in tandem to be able to get this put together correctly. Well, when a scribe approached Jesus with a question about what mattered the most, he was giving Jesus a test to see how he would respond. He realizes some things about Jesus, and he realizes that a test was necessary to see what would happen. And it could be that he wanted Jesus to fail, as many scribes would have wanted. Trying to trap Jesus or get him to to mess up and to say something that would get him eliminated or just out of the scene so that they could continue on doing what they wanted to do. Or it could be that what Jesus was teaching and doing was attracting him and he had a checklist of things that he would have to know about a teacher. If he was ever going to follow this teacher, these things would have to be done. It's a lot like someone coming into a church to See if uh, they're going to be able to join the church. You know, does the pastor use the King James Bible? No. Does uh, the pastor bang on the pulpit? Sometimes. Um, You know, all, all the things that would have to be checked off to be able to, you know, feel like that was a place where you could go. And maybe that's what this guy was doing. He was, after all, a scribe. He was someone who specialized in God's law. And he would have been quite meticulous and precise in how things were done and said. Just like lawyers today, uh, they are going to say things that need to be said and no more, no little. It's going to be very exact. But whatever the case, it was a test. It was a test for Jesus and it came in the form of a question. Teacher, which commandment is the first of all? In other words, what is most important? What is the one thing that we are supposed to be doing? Jesus, who was already in the heat of conversation, if you look there in the scripture, you'll see that he was already having a conversation, probably much like this one, uh, with another scribe and doing quite well with his answers. And so he replies to the scribe simply what all Jews would know from lessons as a child, knowing from what was written on their doorposts, on their phylacteries, and from what they would recite at the beginning of each day, and maybe say throughout the rest of the day as well. It was the Shema. The first is, Hear, O Israel, which is where we get the word Shema, hear. here, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind, and with all of your strength. The second is this, and this is where Jesus departs a little bit from the uh, passage in Deuteronomy. And he adds a bit of Leviticus in about neighbors. And he says, um, you shall love your neighbor as yourself. There is no other commandment greater than these, Jesus says. That was it. That's all that Jesus said. He didn't give any more details. He didn't give an illustration. Um, He just went right to the point and he answered the question. And it was all that he needed to say. Since it linked together two inextricable things that God wanted from the world. A relationship without idolatry and love. Or with love. a A relationship of deep and abiding love. And love for neighbor. God wanted to have a relationship of love with humankind. Even though uh, humankind was sinful and rebellious and doing all the wrong things, it seemed, in the world, God still wanted a relationship, desiring love from the totality of their being. And the way that this would happen, as Jesus would um, always so perfectly display, was by loving one's neighbor. If they really loved God, then they would be loving neighbor. In fact, one of the best ways, or maybe the only way, that they could truly love God was to love neighbor. Jesus just continued to stay on point. True love for God would be shown in this way. Temple worship and all the sacrifices, and if you've studied this in Sunday school or... Um, just uh, learned about it as you read through the Bible. Uh, lots of sacrifices and burnt offerings and things, kind of like we have here this morning. It's uh, melting down before us. But things would be done as a way to, not that we did that for this purpose this morning, but to appease God, to make God feel better about uh, us and our sins or uh, whatever it is that we needed to bring before God. It would be a, uh, a system. Of sacrifices in their worship. This is a part of the temple worship. And uh, Jesus indicates these things shouldn't go away. And the scribe recognizes this as well. They're important. But Jesus knew that all of their religious practices mattered to uh, God much less than loving God and neighbor. I mean, if they weren't doing that, it didn't matter how many uh, bulls you sacrificed or how many sheep. Uh, or dubs, or whatever your offering was. It didn't matter to God at all if you weren't loving God and neighbor. And the scribe agreed with Jesus. And this is no small thing, given that many of the scribes were very much out to get Jesus and continued to make traps for him to fall into and, and wanting him and his teaching to definitely go away. But not so with this scribe. There was something very different about him. Something was happening inside of him. It's much like Nicodemus or uh, some of the others that we see who are encountering Jesus. And they are seeking Jesus out, even in the night. Because they don't want anybody else to know that they are into what Jesus is teaching. That Jesus has really hooked them. And they want to know more. And so this scribe seems to have something like that going on inside of him. As he pursues Jesus and approaches him with this question. He seems to be that kind of person who is not satisfied at all with stock religious answers. With black and white interpretations of the law. And with the judgment that others were giving about Jesus without ever really hearing what he had to say. This scribe was a seeker of truth, one who was definitely in active pursuit of it and getting quite close, as Jesus would tell him. He says, you, you, you're almost there. You're not far from the kingdom of God. Now, that's a compliment. It's a compliment from one who knows what and where the kingdom of God is. As followers of Jesus today, we are to know... What matters most to God? Do we? I loved Evelyn's offertory prayer. What a challenge to think about where we are in our faith. Are we really doing? And I uh, heard that as well from Tabitha's poem. What are we doing with our time? And what would we say to the scribe if he were to approach us with this test question about what is most important And what's the greatest thing we could ever do in life for God? Think about it. What would you say? You and I might quickly mention prayer. Well, it's important for us to pray. I mean, if if we don't have prayer, how are we going to survive? Or we might say reading the Bible or going to church like you did this morning. On a morning when you could have slept in, you may be here because you view that as being important. I hope that that is the case, because it is. But perhaps our answer might be in the form of listing all the things that we aren't supposed to be doing. And that's usually an easier thing to do, to say, well, I'm not really sure about what's most important, but I can tell you all the stuff that that I just know for sure that I'm not supposed to do and that I don't do, which is what these scribes were known for doing. That we didn't break any commandments this past week. And we can get pretty good at this last one, as uh, good as the scribes of Jesus' day. And getting good at it means that we really get legalistic about our relationship with God. Developing a whole system of things that we think matter most to God, when it really matters the least. If loving God and neighbor are the most important things to God, then why do we get so hung up on what matters the least? We do this, don't we? Do we really think we're loving God with our worship services, our Bible studies, our religious meetings, and our doctrines? If there are people around us that we have chosen not to love, or even if we have just neglected to love them, do we really feel like this is what God wants from us? According to Jesus, these things do still matter. It is still good to come to church. It is good to give. It's good to participate in the things of the church. But do we really think God cares more about the time that we spend inside the church walls managing our religion than what can be uh, done out in the neighborhood as we seek transformation right here around where we live and, and the community that's outside of our walls? Do we really think God is so impressed with our order of worship when we ignore the disorder of our world? If we do, then we aren't yet close to the kingdom of God. If we do think in that way, we're not there yet. We do not understand Jesus' kingdom language. Unlike the scribe, we aren't getting to what matters the most. Well, this morning, we have Mary Van Rienen and Ted Holmes here with us today. If you were in Sunday school, you might have had a chance to meet them and hear a little bit about their story. But they are CBF field personnel in the Netherlands, uh, working from there as missionaries with the Romani people. And they have lived there, I think, since 1996. Is that right? Uh, Translating the Bible, very creatively, I might add, as you'll hear, um, into, I think there are at least 20 different Romani languages. So that's a very tall order to translate and to be able to um, figure out ways to get the scripture into those dialects and languages. They also go to places like Moldova, which I believe is still the poorest country in Europe, to uh, provide education and microeconomic development. And as you will hear in just a few minutes, they are examples of followers of Jesus who do what matters the most. Loving God and loving neighbor. Away from the comforts of home, the familiar foods and the family and and everything else that goes along with that, they have put themselves where God has called them to be, to do what matters the most. So if we know what matters most to God, what does it look like for us to do it, for us to be not far from the kingdom of God? Well, it will become evident in how we renew our fidelity to the Lord, who is one, as Jesus described, disavowing our love for other gods, the gods that we create, the gods that are all around us. The fidelity of our love will be comprehensive, and it will be holistic, involving every ounce. And I noticed how Jesus put something different in there. He talks about uh, our heart, our minds, our our soul, our our strength every fibre of our being. And it will be so intertwined with our love for our neighbors that it will no longer be possible to tell where one ends and the other begins. It's just loving God and loving neighbor altogether. We will not be able to sing hymns, to give offerings and take communion without thinking of issues that affect our neighborhood, like poverty and health care and education and climate change and racism. Doing what matters most as followers of Jesus will become apparent in our neighborhoods where amazing things will happen in our communities. Things like big parties that we throw for our neighbors on Halloween. And by the way, what an incredible party that was yesterday. And what made it incredible is how many of uh, the people it took to do that and how we all work together and There were weeks of preparation that went into that. And you could see that yesterday, that even though it was raining, we had a way to make it exciting and special. But also doing the good deeds for our neighbors on Maggie Lee for Good Day that so many people have done. How about dining with 125 of our neighbors each week at the Highland Blessing Dinner and providing a place of care for those neighbors of ours who have severe mental illnesses? All of these amazing things happen where people understand and do what most matters to God. Let's pray. God, we thank you so much for the way that you include us in your work. We are so thankful that we don't live by a checklist of how well we follow the Ten Commandments, or how well we do all of the things that we build in our religious systems. You are a God who is interested in love, the love that we can experience from you, and that we can give to each other. May we be centered on that love this week. Amen.